I know what it's like to lose. <laughs> to feel so desperately that you're right. It's not as like it's not. Okay, like I it's tried a, to get you to tell me what it was like, and you a, lost that it's opportunity. A bit more this woman to watch movies and do you take this man to talk about them i now pronounce you my podcast welcome everyone to another episode of wife watches i'm your host jason and joining me as always in desperate need of a pep talk from a talking raccoon it's my wife courtney hello we are we're back doing a podcast that's right. We have some new equipment that we're working with. We got a new microphone, so if there's hopefully some kind of difference at all in the quality. Yeah, the we'll audio. see. Maybe not. Yeah. How's quarantine? Uh we're not really in quarantine anymore. No, it doesn't it doesn't really apply. We are still doing our best. I went to a client meeting today, mask on. Really? I did. And I got in and nobody was wearing masks, so I just kept mine on. It's weird. No one in the meeting was wearing them? No, it was weird. You were the only one wearing it? Yeah, they had them, but they weren't wearing them. Anyway, it was weird. But I wore mine the whole time. Well, hey, good for you. Thank you. You sheep. (laughs) Courtney, what movie are we watching today? We are watching Infinite Avengers, Infinity War. I almost said Infinity Stones. Uh, Those feature heavily in this movie. I've been waiting for them because they don't really appear. I mean, they do, but like I I would assume this one would be the most appear-y. It's true. Well, if you've been watching all of these movies, they're sprinkled throughout. Yeah, that's what I was saying. But this is very much, this movie has a very like series finale feel about it. Okay. Because you got like 10 years of storyline and character development, all, basically every major character and storyline that you would have seen up until this point for 10 years is like culminating in this one movie. You hit the T kind of weird. But it does have that, like, uh, uh-oh, end-of-the-year feel to it. Things cool. are going to change. Like at, like ninth grade going into high school. I would even say, like, you're graduating high school. Whoa. So it, then what's Endgame? Endgame is, like, the second half of this story. Okay. I wonder if anyone went into this movie thinking this was its own movie. In my mind, going into it, it was always sort of like a two-parter. Okay. That is interesting that you wouldn't have seen this because this was a massive success. Yeah. I knew about it. I didn't really necessarily know about like Age of Ultron or Captain America Civil War, but I knew about this one. At work, our coworkers were talking about it. I talked to you You about it. You talked to me about it. You didn't go to work that day. So I was just like aware of it. Yeah. I was beyond the point of really, if I could help it, seeing things at midnight because I don't like midnight showings because while I appreciate the energy and the enthusiasm of people at midnight screenings... I don't need that in my life. I want to really focus on the movie. And I don't want to be a buzzkill. So my my thing, if I really wanted to see a movie, I would see it Friday. First thing Friday. So I did. I took off work this day. Yeah. And a uh, shout out to Peter Gilbert who came with me. Uh, shout out to the mom who brought her kids who kind of cried through a lot of the ending of the movie. Damn loudly. Lord. And shout out to my asshole co-worker who called me on my day off to ask me a question he could have looked up in one of our emails. <laughs> okay, well... I thought I would show you this first. Of course, we have a graphic. Just easier for you to follow. I'm going to I'm going to hit you with some of the movies that came out in between Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. Okay. I've created this graph for you again in a, it's an application called Microsoft Word and <laughs> through a series of complex uh, you have to like save the image 
in a different folder on inside the hard drive, you can drop the folder just like the picture right in there and then create these like elaborate lines and see they're color coded so I can kind of help drive you which character is going from where, right? It's like amazing to me that you even use Word instead of like Google Docs, like a Google Doc. What you're saying is gibberish to me right now. <laughs> All right, so we saw Captain America Civil War. The next movie that was released in 2016 was Doctor Strange. Have you seen Doctor Strange? No. Do you know anything about it? No. Do you even know like who's in it, what it's about, the deal about it? No. You've seen this character. Yeah. I know who Doctor Strange is. Who? A doctor who's who makes like kind of freaky things happen. I've seen Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, he's in Thor. He does, yeah, he makes an appearance in there. Yeah. Um Oh Go ahead. Oh, the fifth doctor. Is this like a Doctor Who joke? Yeah, I couldn't remember what that show is called. It's called Doctor Who. Wow. So he's not Doctor Who. No, I mean, he is a doctor and he's British, but he's never portrayed Doctor Who. What? Or the Doctor. No. He's Sherlock. I thought he was in Doctor Who. I can't I can't speak to if he's ever guest starred on an episode, but... Holy crap. Although, you know... One of the villains in the second Thor movie, the main villain, he's like a, a an elf. He, his name is, uh, uh, well, this is good. Shoot. He started the story and couldn't finish it. I can't remember the actor's name. I, okay. feel, I feel bad, but he, he was one of the doctors and Karen Gillum, I think was a companion. Who's Karen Gillum? She plays Nebula. Oh, sure. She was a companion. Ruby Roundhouse. Because they have a companion that's with them at all times. I've seen enough to know that... You've seen a lot. You've seen I get, I get the gist. I watched a couple episodes because people were really pushing it on me in like circa 2012, right? Apologies to anyone loving Doctor Who. No, in my mind, I was like, I could see like, I could see why people would be like, you should watch this. You'd be into this. But there was something about the low production quality, and I get that that's part of its charm. I also don't really like TV shows that are not serialized. I don't want filler episodes. I want each... Like a serialized story is where, <laughs> okay, oh, well, you were looking at me like, you were picking at your teeth and looking at me like I was insane. Oh. Law and order is procedural. I didn't know that Doctor Who was like that. It is much more, like there are overarching storylines, but each episode is like a self-contained adventure. Okay. Or maybe like a two or three parter, but for the most part, yeah. And I just, I didn't have time for it, frankly. <laughs> That's fine. Sorry, Doctor Who fans. You know what? Neither did I. They were trying to, they've been trying to make a Doctor Strange movie for a while since the 80s with like a bunch of random people attached to it. Stan Lee was really involved in the 80s trying to get one made. The one name I really wanted to throw out of someone who was trying to develop a Doctor Strange movie in the early 2000s was uh, the director of your favorite movie, Guillermo del Toro, <laughs> who later would go on to direct the Oscar winning picture and Courtney's favorite movie that she watches every night before I'm, she goes I'm to bed. I'm leaning in. It's my favorite movie. See, joke's on you. You leaning into it is just going to give me like a renewed... We'll yeah. see. We'll see where you go with it. It didn't de-steam me, okay. if you will. Okay. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch is Doctor Strange. The only things I really wanted to tell you about this movie was they cast Tilda Swinton as the ancient one, received some kind of backlash for whitewashing that character because typically it is an Tibetan older man and they were worried that if they cast someone that was like very faithful to the comic adaptation that it would be like leaning into a pretty bad stereotype from the 70s you know what i mean okay so uh, you can't win with this you really can't and so then they were like well we could make it an older asian woman but then they were worried that would play into like the dragon lady stereotype that there is too okay and so they were like going back and forth also there's a weird thing of like if you make it a tibetan man 
these movies do perform like a lot of their international gross is from China and there's like a weird there's like a tension between Tibet and China oh. because of like the sovereignty issue you know what I mean so they ended up going with Tilda Swinton I don't really know how you win this one necessarily that's um, fair. And they kind of decided to make, kind of play her androgynous. So she's bald and just kind of a little ambiguous that way as far as gender, I guess. But I actually thought she did a really good job in that role. It made, it was well received, made $670 million, 89% Rotten Tomatoes. I thought it was perfectly fine. I actually got a little emotional at one point in the movie. You don't get emotional. Yeah, you're right. I'm yeah, I'm stone cold in movies. Yeah. I also think this has one of the best third act in all the Marvel movies. Who I've told you, they really suffer from like big dumb third act fights. Right. There's a very clever way that he comes out victorious. Okay. The only things you need to know from this movie is that Stephen Strange is the a sorcerer, and that he has something called um, the Eye of Agamotto, which controls time. And it's a green little gem. And it's actually the time stone. Okay. So it is an infinity stone that he uses to manipulate time. Moving on. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. There's really nothing I really need to say other than it's a pretty standalone movie. It's just another adventure with the Guardians. Um, Story-wise, the only things you really need to know are... Do you, me- you remember who they are? Kind of like Chris Pratt is the main guy. You got Groot, the big... Although in this Vin movie, Diesel. he's a baby. It's baby Groot. Yeah. And Vin Diesel still did the voice that they modulated for baby. I am Groot. <laughs> and then Bradley Cooper's Rocket Raccoon. Yes. And He's not really a raccoon, I learned. That's true. He's an alien. Yeah, he gets very upset if you call him a raccoon. The only things you need to know are that Gamora, who's part of the Guardians and like a love interest with Chris Pratt's character, mm-hmm. is the adopted daughter of Thanos. Right. And so is Nebula. They're like... What about the bug girl? Oh, Mantis? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She shows up in this movie. Okay. And her ability is she can like read your feelings. So she touches you. She like she she's an empath. So she reads your feelings. Okay. Gamora and Nebula in this movie kind of reconcile and become friends. And Nebula is because she at first she was a villain in the first movie. Mm-hmm. They reconcile and the movie ends with the Guardians kind of like going off on another mission and Nebula telling Gamora like I am going to go kill our father because he's a terrible guy. Nebula says that. Yeah. So she, so she's like I'm going to go assassinate Thanos. Okay. Um, that also was successful too. Eighty, eight hundred sixty-three million dollars. Is it even? Do I should I even tell you how much these make necessarily? Does this even like mean anything? Yeah, because I know that the other ones made like two billion. Okay. So this was successful. Eighty-five percent Rotten Tomatoes. The only thing I thought you might think is interesting was this came out in twenty seventeen. James Gunn, who did the first two movies, the brother of Sean Gunn, who's like in these mm-hmm. movies too. Mm-hmm. He was getting ready to come back to do. Volume 3, a third Guardians movie, which would have come out this month. It would have been like the release the third date. Guardians? That like the Black Widow movie was supposed to take, right? Well, what happened is in July 2018, so like a year after this came out, Disney fired James Gunn for some like controversial tweets from like a decade ago mm. that he had done. And like had like, I don't even know if he deleted them, but like they were kind of drug up by this, uh, like, I think like a conservative watchdog group who was kind of attacking some people in Hollywood. I can't really remember what they were, but they're like some really tasteless jokes. Anyway, they fired him. And so the, for a while it was like, I don't know what's going on with the third Guardians movie. All of the cast was like, we want James Gunn to be involved, but I guess they couldn't really even find any other directors because his voice is so like baked into both of those movies. It was just this like lose-lose situation. And until the next year, March, 2019, they rehired him. But at that point, he'd already gotten like some other jobs. So he's like, he's doing a Suicide Squad movie for DC. So he can't actually get around to doing a third Guardians movie in for like another two years. 
So the third Guardians movie won't come out until like 2023 probably. Oh, that is weird. Out. Next one is Spider-Man Homecoming. Have you seen that? Absolutely. Do you like that movie? I do love that movie. I like Spider-Man. I like I like all the Spider-Men. You saw that in theaters, didn't you? I did. I don't I think I saw it maybe by myself. Huh. <laughs> I know. I like Spider-Man. Well, and you like movies, so that was probably yeah. just like I'll go see that one. Mhm. Did that come out the year of Movie Pass? No. Well, yes. Yeah. When did it come out? Summer of 2017? Yep. Movie Pass was a thing then. Not as big as it was. Yeah. But yeah, I could see that. That was like the first movie produced under that weird agreement between Marvel and Sony. Donald Glover's in that movie. Do you remember him? No, I don't remember. Oh, yes, I do. He yeah. shows up for like a second. Do you know who you, the character he is playing is technically the Prowler from Into the Spider-Verse. Oh. He's playing the uncle to Miles Morales. And they even like, he even says a line when like Peter's talking to him and he's like, yeah, there was an explosion over on the street. And Donald Glover's character's like, my nephew lives over there. That was like a little like oh, throw to the fans wow. of like, Miles Morales exists in this universe. It's pretty... That's weird that there are two Spider-Men in that universe. Well, technically there should be. There's like Miles Morales and Peter Parker. Because what? remember in Into the Spider-Verse, he becomes Spider-Man after his world's Peter Parker dies. Oh, yeah. Thank you for explaining that to me. You're welcome. That makes perfect sense. Do you think, I'm just looking at the poster, do you think they put Iron Man on the front of that to just be like, we're Marvel now? Um, Not only that, but they're like, look, Iron Man's in the movie. He's only in it for like 10 minutes. Yeah. But like he was in like all of the trailers. The trailers are actually really bad. Sony has a bad job of spoiling everything in their trailers. Yeah. But I gotta wonder how much money they paid Robert Downey Jr. to show up for like three weeks. <laughs> Part of the thing, like creatively, they were like, we know we're not going to retell the Uncle Ben story. We're not even going to really reference major characters or villains that have appeared in the other Marvel movies. So that's why they had Michael Keaton come in as the Vulture, who's fantastic honestly in that movie but i have some issues with kind of this characterization of spider-man i kind of wish he was a bit more like street level didn't have all like the resources of like the avengers and this and tony stark behind him but people genuinely love him and i i think it's great they finally have a spider-man who looks like he's a teenager yeah he's a great spider-man i do think the action sequences are kind of bland yeah in this one particularly so this movie made 880 million dollars 92 percent rotten tomatoes the only thing you really need to know from this is that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Tony Stark is his mentor, right? And at the end of the movie, it's revealed that... Remember how, like, Tony and Pepper were on the rocks? Yes. They're back together and they got engaged at the end of Homecoming. Homecoming? Yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow shows up for, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. It actually really surprised me to see her. That's confusing because they both have home in them. I know. I think they're trying to do, like, a thing. Like, I'm pretty sure the third one will have home in Homecoming. the subtitle. And I don't... Far from home. It's... I get Homecoming because, like... It's the homecoming dance, and it's like Spider-Man's home here now. Yeah. But, like, I honestly think a better title for Far From Home would be, like, Spider-Man's Europe Vacation. Like, National Lampoon type situation. Like, the kids go to Europe kind of a thing? Yeah. All right. Thor Ragnarok. We watched this. We absolutely watched it. We haven't talked about it. No. What? What? It was great. It was was good. I didn't know Hulk was going to be in it. You know what? I'm so jealous that that was a genuine surprise for you. It was. Because that's it was all over the trailers and the marketing, yeah. which I guess that's what you do. But that would have been such a thrill to be in the theaters and have the Hulk show up. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I I, uh, I enjoyed my time in Ragnarok. <laughs> I definitely think they were going to go much darker and more like honestly generic storyline before they hired Taika Waititi to like basically turn it into a straight up comedy. 
Yeah, it was really funny. Chris Hemsworth was kind of bored with getting bored with the character. And they, the guy who did the second one didn't want to come back because he felt like he got ripped off on the second one. And Taiko Atiti came in and did like a sizzle reel. Do you know what that is? Uh-uh. It's like, you, it's like you're trying to like evoke what the tone and feel of your movie is going to be. So you like edit in like music and like scenes in it and like pitch. And like that's part of your pitch. Okay. To be like, this is what the, my movie is going to feel like. And apparently he used a lot. He used a immigrant song by Led Zeppelin, which is in the movie twice. And was in the trailer. He just made it this weird, it's like a psychedelic 80s. Like, I love yeah. the visual style of it is so cool. It's so fun. I It really is like a soft reboot of the character. And I feel bad because I do think the first and second one were fine. But they really just completely brush aside any story developments from those movies. And just, it's basically like a whole new story. Hmm. I would feel comfortable recommending that movie to someone who'd never seen a Marvel movie or superhero movie. Just yeah. to be like, look, this will be funny. You don't need to know anything. Just go in and like, have a good time. It would be like a good movie if you were like, you're like trying to like hook up with someone and there's like a big group of people and like everyone would enjoy it. Yeah. You know, those like, like in college. Oh yeah. Anyway. Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Disney's Dumbo. There's some great people in it that you were surprised. Uh, Kate Blanchett. It's the villain. <laughs> yeah, she looks wild in that movie. She looks great, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. She looks crazy, though. Her yeah. dark hair. When she, like, slicks back and, like, the oh, yeah, horns come out. Um, the amazing Jeff Goldblum. Incredible. I think the most surprising was Anthony Hopkins. I don't know why that surprised me. He's Thor's dad. I didn't know that. He's in the other two movies. I didn't know that. Wow. That is... Or like I didn't remember that or like I didn't have a relationship with Anthony Hopkins. Oh my gosh, I just remembered. Anthony Hopkins has an Instagram account and it's amazing and I've, I forgot about it. I've heard this. Yeah, it's really incredible. I've heard it's like, it's hilarious, isn't it? Yeah. So I didn't have like that same relationship when I knew him okay. as Thor's dad. That's fair. So you were just like, Tony yeah. Hopkins is in this. <laughs> My boy Tone. Honestly, the one that really surprised me was the Matt Damon cameo. Oh, yeah. And Sam Neill. And like the third uh, the third Hemsworth brother. <laughs> Sam Neill. Which guy is that? Sam Neill. Like, who is he in the movie or who is he? Who is he? You he's, told me. He's the lead in Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. So it's weird because Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum are both in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, Matt Damon, freaking Matt Damon. And Loki was a lot of fun in this one. He was. This is the start of a really great arc between Ragnarok, Infinity War, Endgame of Thor, where he becomes one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Who I thought was so boring and kind of like, I did not like his character. And this starts like a, I don't know, it's it's great. I like the Hulk. Yeah, I like Hulk. He's been the Hulk for two years, so he like has like, he talks like a toddler. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, I just get so angry all the time. Hulk always, always angry. Well, we're the same, you and I, but just a couple of hot-headed fools. Yeah, same. Hulk like fire, mm. Thor like water. Mm. Well, we're kind of both like fire. But Hulk like real fire. His, like, room was really fun to see. Did you ever just, like, as a kid, kind of, like, imagine oh, you... rooms? Yeah. That was totally my jam as a kid. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, I don't even have the time to fully get into how much, like, I just fantasized of like making like a space your own and like, especially kind of like built into a wall, like kind of a thing, like kind yeah. of dug in a bit. Yeah, I love that. And also just like imagining the size of everything, the size that everything would need to be for Hulk. Same thing with like small things. This is kind of funny. So some of the ways they had to animate the Hulk 
was they would have someone, a big guy, like painted green on set doing the movements. <laughs> and then for like scale, they would have a very short guy to be Thor next to him in some of the scenes to help the animators. Also, apparently the line where he's like, We know each other. He's a friend from work. Yeah. That was suggested by a kid visiting the set. What? Taika Waititi said 80% of the dialogue in this movie was improvised. Whoa. Oh, and he also plays Korg, the rock monster. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he performed the motion capture for Korg. But he's a funny guy. Over here, a pile of rocks waving at you. Here. Yeah, I'm actually a thing. I'm a being. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Korg. I'm kind of like the leader in here. I'm made of rocks, as you can see, but don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to be afraid unless you're made of scissors. <laughs> Just a little rock, paper, scissor joke for you. How'd you end up in here? Oh, well, I tried to start a revolution, but didn't print enough pamphlets, so hardly anyone turned up, except for my mum and her boyfriend, who I hate. At the premiere, Mark Ruffalo was doing a Facebook Live on the red carpet, and he couldn't figure out how to turn it off, so he put his phone in his pocket, and he Facebook Lived the audio of the first 30 minutes. <laughs> I'll throw in a clip from like when he talks about it. But I guess people were just calling him like his agent was calling him like, you turn off your phone, turn off your phone. And he kept being like, why is everyone blowing up my phone right now? I'm trying to watch this movie. We're at the premiere. 50 texts. People I don't even, people I haven't seen since high school are texting me. <laughs> turn off your phone. Marvel's going to fire you. Marvel, we love they, you. They we don't. They didn't fire you, did well, they? Well, not yet. That is insane. I know. Also, it's insane to not know how to turn off a Facebook Live. He's like 50. There's like a button that you press. I know. I actually have a story later after the movie of he, he's, he's bad at spoiling stuff. Uh. But this one was, he like thought he was legitimately in trouble with Kevin Feige. That would be scary. I know. Yeah, I liked Thor Ragnarok. My only critiques would be, I feel like they sacrifice some dramatic moments for a joke. So like, I, I feel like they didn't really linger much on like, Odin's death could have been something really like more emotionally powerful. Yeah. Even like the trauma of like Bruce Banner having been stuck inside the Hulk for two years. Like that's that idea is actually kind of terrifying, but they don't linger on it. They just kind of go straight to the next joke, which I get it. it it's a funny movie, but I kind of wish they would have let the emotional beats sit a bit more. Or even yeah. like Thor gets his eye. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. That part was great. Like it happens in a way where you're almost they like. They didn't really talk about it or like address it at Yeah. All. Where that could have been like a, oh my gosh, something he's. Or even like his hammer is destroyed. Yeah. You know, I really wish I had my hammer. A hammer? Quite unique. It was made from this, this special metal from the heart of a dying star. And when I spun it really, really fast, it gave me the ability to fly. You rode a hammer? No, I, I didn't ride the hammer. The hammer rode you on your back? No, no, no. I, I used to spin it really fast. And it, it, would, it would pull me off the ground, up into the air, and I would fly. Every time I threw it, it would always come back to me. Sounds like you had a pretty special and intimate relationship with this hammer and that losing it was almost comparable to losing a loved one. It's a nice way of putting it. Anyway, the story things you need to know, Thor found Hulk, the Asgardians are all on the ship, right? And Loki, before he leaves Asgard, looks over, saw the Tesseract there and swiped it. Yeah. And so they are all now on this ship and then there's an end credit scene where a ship comes up. Last movie before we go in. Black Panther. Have you seen this? No. Uh, how'd you miss this one? Because this was also a big one. I just was like, I superhero movie, I guess. It was everywhere. It's it's on, It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I want to see it after seeing Civil War. Ryan Coogler directed it. He apparently consulted with experts in the region of Africa that Wakanda is supposed to be set in. You'll see a lot of Wakanda in Infinity War too. Oh, cool. And he really wanted Wakanda to feel like a full country with like distinct tribes 
And the the conceit around it is that it's like hidden from the rest of the world, right? Like it's was never colonized. It's like a hidden country, like the real power and like all the vibranium. It's like highly civilized and like hidden from the rest of the world. And a lot of the themes in Black Panther is like, is that right to hide like what you have from the world or should you like protect like your city against like the evils of the world kind of. There's a lot of really good ideas in huh. Black Panther. It's like the idea of like the city of Atlantis. Oh, I loved learning about Atlantis as a kid. You know what? There's, Atlantis is also within like the Marvel Universe too. And there's like an underwater god named Namor who's like a Fantastic Four character. And I bet that they'll... One of, there's a really popular storyline, which is Black Panther and the Wakandans versus Namor and the Atlanteans. And a lot of people are like, we really want that to be Black Panther too. It's like these two kingdoms fighting. Ooh, that would be so cool. Atlantis. Yeah, that's, yeah, that would be really cool. But so he talked, he talked to these experts because he wanted everything to be like pre, like. Who, who directed it? Ryan Coogler. Okay. He wanted like the architecture and everything to be like pre-colonization, but also mixed with like this modern Afro-punk futuristic look. Okay. It's a really cool, like, vibrant look to it. It made $1.3 billion. Is that the most successful that wasn't an Avenger? Oh, solo movie? Yeah. Yes, I think it actually did make more than Iron Man 3. Wow, that's it incredible. Also, it made more in North America than Avengers Infinity War. Not worldwide, but in North America. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. It had a primarily black cast. Writer and activist Sean King said the film would be a cultural moment in American black history, similar to Rosa Parks' bus boycott. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech and President Obama's election. Wow. How many little kids will remember they saw this movie with a predominantly black cast? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, I, it truly, like, I, it's not like I missed this. I missed watching the movie. It was all over the, for like the entirety of 2018. I know. It was still in theaters when Infinity War came out. Yeah, and then in 2019 when it, the Oscars, it was all over. Yeah, it's opening weekend. 37% of the audiences were African-American. There's a GoFundMe drive to raise $45,000 for children of color at the Boys and Girls Club in Harlem to go see it, which prompted uh, hundreds of additional drives around the world and became the largest GoFundMe in history for an entertainment event at over $400,000. Wow. Isn't that really cool? That is amazing. The Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture acquired items from the movie for the museum, including a signed shooting script and one of Black Panther's costumes. And then obviously it was nominated for seven Oscars. It won three. Um, and the nomination for Best Production Design was the first for an African American woman. Wow. And it was nominated for Best Picture, which is, that's got to be like the crowning achievement of Marvel is that like, hey. It's been nominated. We got a comic book movie to be a Best Picture nomination. Like, yeah. Suck on that, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> oh, oh, the years old feud. <laughs> it rears its ugly head. I always find my way back. Oh, Marty, you running high. Marty, old it? dog. Oh, you old dog, Marty. <laughs> Marty. That's it. And now we're in invent, uh, infant, um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Now we're in Avengers Infinity War. That's right. Um, the only thing I wanted to tell you before we started it was... Okay, he's on the floor, on all fours, looking at the bookshelf. Oh, he's got a comic book. This movie is primarily based on this comic book called The Infinity Gauntlet by Jim Starlin from 1991. I have read this. That is beautiful. That artwork? Just like, mm. It's like Des fun to hold. Describe it. 
It's like glossy. Do you, do you like the how, artwork like, is fun? Yeah. Do you like his gloss. This, this is why man This is why I was telling you was like this story is so operatic and like celestial and otherworldly. It's so weird. That is that looks. This is so cool. And this was when. Oh, weird. <laughs> One of the panels have a, has a Trump Tower being overcome by the ocean. <laughs> This is the storyline I was telling you where Thanos' original motivation was to kill half of the universe to please death. Okay. The physical embodiment of death who is a, who is a female. Okay. Are you going to read this after? I this? don't know. Wow, you're... We'll see. That's just fun. I love, I love when when it's glossy and, and the colors are so bright. I guess the only thing I'll tell you is it's been two years since Captain America Civil War. The last, if you remember, Captain America broke those like other Avengers that were in that raft prison. Remember he broke them out. So they've been like operating on the run for like two years. Hawkeye and Ant-Man aren't with them though. They made like in a throwaway line, you learn that they made like plea deals to like be at house arrest with their families. But like Captain America, Black Widow, Falcon, Scarlet Witch are on the run. Okay. Iron Man, War Machine, and Vision are still operating as like official Avengers in New York. Got it. Doctor Strange is also based in New York. Okay. Spider-Man is also based in New York. Okay. Black Panther is in Wakanda. Mm -hmm. And Bucky is there. Bucky has been cured now. Okay. The Guardians are flying about in space somewhere. Thor, Hulk, and Loki are also in space, about to be attacked by Thanos. Okay. And just to help visualize where each oh, of the stones are. Visualize. There's a picture of Vision. Very good. My He's my personal Marvel boyfriend, I would say. Wow. He's like your, uh, what's the term? I don't want to say free ride, but like if you had the <laughs> my number two, like I like I I would have to let you. Yeah. 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 If, oh, yeah. If Vision, you'd be like, oh, go ahead. I'd be like, all right. I'm like, I'm gonna make out with Vision. You'd be like, can I you're, watch? You're never gonna get this opportunity again. It's true. Yeah. Well, who would I be to keep that? And from then you? you would make out with Vision after. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. <laughs> but I made what I've made is another graph, uh, also through the same wizardry uh, that I did the other one, which was I used an application called Microsoft Word, Thanks. and I have pictures of all of the stones <laughs> and where they are at the outside of this movie. So you got the space stone. Remember Loki? Loki. I am that. I, Loki's like, hey, I know that. That's the Tesseract. I've been after this. Because remember, Thanos was the one who tasked him with finding it in the first place. Yeah. So Thanos is like pissed at Loki. Okay. But he, like, he has it now. Well, but he like ran, he had never got it and ran off. Oh, okay. The ether, which is from Thor 2, is with this weird guy who's going to show up. Okay. The time stone is with Doctor Strange. Okay. The mind stone is in Vision's forehead. The power stone is with Glenn Close. <laughs> Just the actress? Or? Actress Glenn Close, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, she is in charge of like this government of this one city from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. I'll tell you this. The movie starts with Thanos having already decimated their planet and taken that stone. So okay. Thanos has one stone. Okay. He's just looking for the five. And then the other one is the soul stone, which we don't know where that is. I don't even know what that is. It's one more stone. Okay. Looks a lot like the one in Vision's forehead. I know. I think I actually might have... That actually might be the same picture, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's a different color. They're all different colors to help you. <laughs> is one yellow and one's orange? I think so. I think that's what it is. I think this one's supposed to be orange. I think the soul stone is orange. Okay. And the last that you've seen... That you, oh my gosh. The last you've seen of Thanos, he is like, fine, I'll do it myself. And he has yep. the glove. Mm-hmm. He's going to get all the stones. Yeah. Then he's going to snap his chubby fingers. and. The year is 2018. President Obama is... Oh my gosh. 
That's not his name. How Donald do Trump is our president. Sure. Now and forever. <laughs> Top song of the weekend this came out. Wait. Last week of April 2018. Malibu. No. Let me tell you. Nice for What by Drake. Oh, duh. Idiot. God, I could have gotten that. All right, a couple of 28 things to throw your way so you you know where you are. Okay, 28 things? 2018 things. 2018 things. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, I was like, holy crap, this is going to take a while. Jordan Peele won an Oscar oh, for Get Out. Oh. First African American to win a Best Original Screenplay. That, that's incredible. That moment, though... That I think that was the best part. Well, because I got the flu, right? At, like, I almost, I watched that happen, and then I read Twitter, and then I basically started throwing up. <laughs> but, wow. like, that was, like, that was, like, the most exciting. Yeah, it affected me that much. But, like, that is the most exciting part of the Oscars that year, I remember. Cardi B versus Nicki Minaj. Oh, yeah, I remember that. This is America by Childish Gambino. Great, great song. Uh, Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande were engaged and then were not engaged. Good oh, times, good times. Roller coaster for you, I'm sure. Movie pass. Ugh. Harry and Meghan are about to get married. That's it. That's all I got. How do you feel? Do you feel like you're, you're ready? I'm in the moment. You've, you've like drank up all of this, the history of the Marvel movies. Yeah. You've lived through all these movies. I you're feel ready. It. You're ready to see all these characters yes. collide. Amen, Lord. Disparate tones and storylines about to like just snake and weave into one magnificent summation of a movie. Yeah, let's go watch it. All right, here we go. Assemble! <laughs> And we're back. Yeah, we are. We watched it. We did. Jason, what are your thoughts? Do you want mine first? Yeah, um, I want yours first. Okay. I loved it. I, I loved it. Tell me, let's, yeah, give me more. Um, it Here's was... the thing. I have, I, I can, I have like some ways to approach and break down the story because there's a lot going on. Okay, I won't give a summary. Well, you can't, I'm saying, but if you want to just kind of also go where your thoughts take you and that's fine too. Okay. I loved it. Loved it? Yeah, I really did. What does that mean, though? Because one time you said you loved a movie, but then you gave it two stars. <laughs> I would give it four stars. What? No, I'd, I'd probably give it three stars, because okay. I'd give Endgame four stars. Okay, recency bias, I guess. Yeah. Um, it was just, I really loved, with any movie, but like specifically with this movie, where there's like a timeline that I can follow... I knew that we had to get all the stones, so I wasn't getting lost along the way. There's a clear objectives. Yeah. Clear stakes. Yeah. And I know that there are six of them. He had two of them when he started, or just one? He starts with one. Okay. Yeah. He starts with one. That's the opener. Yeah. So then you know that he has to get five more. Yeah. And you just kind of follow that path along. So originally when they were breaking up the script, when like the screenwriters were figuring out how to like break down this movie, because as you can imagine, trying going in as screenwriters and being like, all right, we got to crack these two movies. What a mess, right? Yeah. They apparently had just every character they had access to on a wall. The way they cracked the movie was like, we want Thanos to be the main character. And this is like his movie. And it's a heist movie for Thanos. And that is how they kind of broke down. How is the story going to flow? And the movie follows sort of his trajectory. Like it's his movie and his movie to triumph ultimately. Okay. And I guess an earlier draft even had him as the narrator. And they, they threw out that concept, but they still kept that helped them 
figure out like, all right, this needs to be seen through. He is trying to accomplish something and they're trying to stop him in the way that a different movie would have him be like the protagonist. Yeah, I see that. The way that he speaks, I could tell you saying that it makes sense that he was originally a narrator. I think it would have kind of maybe been cheesy if he would have been narrating the whole thing. I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, the way that he speaks is like a narrator. I think that's what I liked most about this is that I genuinely never felt lost. That's interesting. Yeah. Especially considering... There was, and there was so much information. So And so many characters and like... And I haven't seen them all. Yeah. In my mind, there's two key achievements in this movie. And that is one of them. That tying together 10 movies of storyline, strands, and characters. And they really brought every, like basically every big character. There's like, not everyone, but like they brought so many characters into one movie, into these storylines. And it wasn't just a total mess. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking, I couldn't remember if Hawkeye was in this one. He's not, huh? Because he's at home. Neither is Ant-Man. And um, see, I didn't know that going into the movie either. Like okay. going into it, I was had no idea. I had, I mean, I knew some characters would show up because of the trailers, but there was a few I weren't sure how they would fit in. That is weird that this movie. I think that's because they clearly define like different teams of the heroes on different missions, and they kind of give each group go back and forth between each group equally, so you can like know clearly where everyone is. Well, and the other the other key achievement I think is that Thanos is a compelling character in this movie. Yeah, you empathize with him a little bit, specifically in the part uh, where he has to kill Gamora. Well, maybe not. Yeah, he's interesting. He's like a very round character. There's a lot to him. You don't realize how brutal he is because he kind of speaks gently. Yeah. But then you see what he does and it's just kind of like... Up until that point, he was just in a chair the whole time. There's nothing to him, really. They're really pinning the finale of this story on this villain who we don't know anything about. And, like, I don't know if he's going to be interesting to watch at all. Yeah. I actually cracked, like, the basic structure of the movie from the trailers. I don't want to brag. That's what you thought you were going to do with Endgame, too, huh? And And then you were like, oh. In fact, when we talk about Endgame, I'll tell you, like, what my predictions were. Okay. But I remember watching the trailers for Infinity War and writing down in a Google, like, in a Google Doc and, like, timestamping it to, like, show to Matt Newman later to be like, (laughs) see, like, basically plotted out everything that happened. For that reason, I kind of, I like this movie, but it was too predictable for me. I feel like anyone who really knew what, like, anything about the comic book storyline in general knew that this how this movie was going to end but I'm, I'm mostly just amazed at like structurally that they were able to pull this off yeah i told you earlier a while ago that they changed thanos's entire motivation right mm-hmm. so now his idea of wanting to get rid of half of the universe is like this kind of ecological plan to finite resources and infinite life that whole thing and that's an insane plan yeah but when he takes gamora when she's a kid do you ever find out why he does that why he takes her yeah not really because that's just like that kind of seemed seemed random you kind of like feel a little bit more on his side a bit because he like shields her from all that he like kills half her village or planet or whatever yeah you're kind of like oh he's just kind of like doing what he thinks is right just like a lot of us do Here's what I think is interesting about him. I think he likes to think that he's doing that. There's some serious logical flaws and holes in this plan. I mean, we have the benefit of knowing how he kind of is in Endgame. Yeah. But there's a part in Endgame where he's like, you know what, fine, I'm just going to like wipe everyone out and start over. So I think he likes to think that he's this great savior, that he has this great idea and he's being so impassionate and logical of like, I'm going to kill half the people at random and that's mercy. I think it's all about his own ego 
and him thinking that he's like this great person who is going to solve the universe's problems. Little one, it's a simple calculus. This universe is finite, its resource is finite. If life is left unchecked, life will cease to exist. It needs correction. You don't know that! I'm the only one who knows that. At least I'm the only one with the will to act on it. Because really, if he had, if he has that ability with that glove, he could just create infinite resources. Like there's other things he could do, but he talks about on his home planet, how he had that idea of like mass genocide for half people at random. Mm -hmm. And when we faced extinction, I offered a solution. Genocide. But random, dispassionate, fair to rich and poor alike. They called me a madman. And what I predicted came to pass. And I think his ego is so hurt by that that like he's trying to prove that he was right. Yeah. But he, but he like envisions himself as like this benevolent. But don't you think that like ruler? A lot of world leaders have done that. Yeah. Because there are like different sides to him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's what I mean. It's weird that they made someone as like actually complex to the yeah. depth that they did out of a character who this is basically your first the first time any audience it has like a long exposure to this character. How did he get so powerful? I think that's just, he just is. He's just strong. Oh. It's kind of hinted at the movie version of this character that he's sort of like an aberration from the rest of like his kind. So okay. he's kind of treated as like, you're different. As the alien that he is, he is just naturally so strong. It was interesting watching him get stronger and stronger and stronger. Oh yeah. By the end of the movie, you're like, I, I don't, there's no hope. This did, it did, parts of the movie did kind of play into like a beef I have in movies where a villain is so so powerful that they could really just kill everyone in like a heartbeat but obviously that would end the movie so they kind of have to find contrived ways to like extend the battle yeah but that one was good because he didn't have all the stones he got stronger with every stone that's true and i did like how they they kind of added this gimmick where he has to close his fist yeah that was cool to operate the glove so they kept trying to like prevent that yeah and then i kind of think especially at the end when he's just like picking off the avengers when he's on in wakanda i think at that point he's just like I'm above killing you. I don't really care. I'm just get out of the way, sort of. Yeah. He has the most screen time of any character in the movie. Oh, that's like, interesting. He, they adjusted Thanos' design. His design kind of gets tweaked over the different movies that we've seen him. In this one, he just he looks like Josh Brolin. Yeah, he really does. What did you think of the effects on him? You can see, like, his pores. Did I? We watched this. We watched the Corridor crew did a video on specifically the, oh. the effects of Thanos and how the digital artist gave him stubble. Yes. In order to make the sunlight hit his pores better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was really interesting. There are so many effect shots in this movie that some of it like looked a little like shaky or just like clearly fake, but there are some shots of Thanos where Yeah, he I looks was, like, really That's good. Crazy. He looks kind of like he does in the comics. You just keep you keep glancing down at the cover of the Infinity Gauntlet comic book. They don't always do it perfectly with some characters, but sometimes they just really they bring a character to life and adapt them for the screen in a really good way. Like, they did a good job with that. Yeah, he has, like, the helmet even, doesn't he? Not all the time, but... He takes it off in, at the beginning of this one. But okay. yeah. And he's bald. Because in reality, it's such a stupid design of a character. He's just, like, a big purple thumb. <laughs> it's kind of dumb. But they really imbue him with, like... There's, like, a primal feeling in me when I see him fight some of the people on the screen where I'm like, like, you're terrifying. Yeah. You, yeah, you just scary. rip people right apart. Or why don't you think they didn't do the death, him impressing death? Because that's where it gets a little lost for me. I'm looking for a reason that he's like trying to fix the world. 
I think they didn't do it just for the sake of it's just because it's silly. It's just a bit silly, and like they've really tried to like create this universe as very grounded. Okay. I think his motivation in this of like why does he even want to do this is that he's just a little crazy and like ego driven, and he's like he's like well I I have a bold idea of how we fix like starvation. We just kill half the people, hmm. and everyone's like you're crazy, and that kind of that has like driven him to be like. I like that they even, people don't ever think about this, like, I've seen this made fun of in, like, parodies and stuff, but, like, what does a supervillain do once he's reached his goal? <laughs> and I like that they were like, so what happens after you've done your goal? And he's like, I finally rest and watch the sunrise on a grateful universe. And that's how the movie ends. Yeah. Is him sitting down and just being like, I did it. Yeah. Josh Brolin, he was there on set and he acted with a big foam headpiece that was the size of Thanos' head. <laughs> and then had a camera on his face to track his movements. But like depending on the scene, because there are some scenes where like he like made contact with different characters. He wore like casings around his body or arms so that the characters, the other actors or actresses wouldn't get too close. For like so how that's why it looks so good. Yeah, that's how that's how they were able to keep like the distancing. And that he was just physically there on set. It must have been so weird to be an actor in this movie. Yeah. So much is fake and so much of it is just you. So much of Doctor Strange, like his movements, yeah. they look cool, but you got to imagine just yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> doing that on set and then being like, we promise it'll look good. That's where you're like, oh, actors are like, I could never be an actor. Because that, that sort of thing would throw me off. I couldn't do it well. We watched the Star Wars prequels. Obviously, like there's other factors like bad script, actors or actresses who are miscast. But one of the biggest criticisms they have of like, they didn't have real sets. And a lot of times they didn't have like people there on set with them. And it's just hard for an actor to yeah. properly emote if they don't have things to like work yeah. off. You know what I mean? They can't do it all themselves. So I think I, I think it's great that they're able to have people on set with there as like reference points. Yeah. Something I think about this movie is there are some parts that are genuinely upsetting. It starts off pretty... Dark. Yes. Yeah, very dark. Like it's upsetting to watch people in pain yeah. kind of tortured. They just really kick Thor off on an arc in this movie that I love. Because he's so broken. And he kind of has this like bravado... That's almost like trying to cope. He just looks like he's barely like keeping it together and about to fall apart. Mm -hmm. They blow up the ship. Thanos kills Heimdall and Loki. I went like this when he killed Loki. <gasps> My mouth like, oh, like I just wasn't expecting it. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it to be that brutal. Same thing with Heimdall. That was really sad. But I you kind of know that one's coming. I didn't know he was going to kill Loki. I really didn't. I kind of thought he might. Only because structurally I was like, they got to do something early on in the movie to make Thanos a threat. And killing off a character like Loki, I, I thought like that would accomplish that. Do people really like Loki? People love Loki. Weird. They love Tom Hiddleston as Loki, specifically. Interesting. I don't not like him. Is he a lot like the one in the comics? Is he in this at all? Loki? No. And that, I think that's also why they had Thanos fight Hulk was basically yeah. to be like, look, this guy is ruthless and he's very strong. You should be very scared of him. Yeah. What do you think of his the children of Thanos, the the four like minions? Oh, that are, he were had. those really his children? I mean, just like no, like it's the term like yeah. Okay, they were scary as hell. <laughs> really? I hated them. I well, specifically like hated the big animal one. Oh yeah. That guy was sick. Like design-wise, you mean? Yeah, he was... Did Ebony... Which one... What did you think about Ebony Ma? That's really the only one I really know who it the is. The girl? No, that's like the... Oh, the, the, oh, the feebly, one they call like, Squidward. Yeah. I'm sorry, Earth is closed today. 
You better pack it up and get out of here. He needs to get lost, Squidward. I feel like he's the only one that's really developed any kind of personality. They're a bit, yeah. they're a bit like minion-y. Yeah. But I think they are fine with what they've been given. Yeah. Glad to see him go. Or the other one that's like really tall who's not the girl. Oh, yeah. He's creepy too. Like a ring wraith. I like Ebony Ma though. Like he's got such a weird preacher. There's like a religiosity where he's like, you are blessed to be killed. Oh, you will yeah. become. Uh-huh. Yeah. So then like it goes immediately to Earth, right? Doctor Strange, Iron Man, they fight Ebony Ma in the streets of New York. Yeah. What do you think about well, seeing- Well, you, you missed Hulk comes crashing through. Yeah. You told me about. In the beginning of the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, they send Silver Surfer is the one who comes crashing to Earth through the Sanctum Santorum window in Doctor Strange's home and is like, Thanos is coming. He's coming. I thought that was good that they did that with Hulk. This is where you get the payoff of having like a long form narrative like this, but you have like these when Dr. Strange like shows up in the park to Tony and Pepper. Yeah. And he's like, you guys need to come with me. And then Bruce Banner shows up. And they're like, Bruce? Because they, they haven't seen him in two years, mm -hmm. three years. It's almost like a trust thing too. Like they don't know who Dr. Strange is. I didn't like the fight in New York. It was very big. A lot of the fight sequences in this movie I don't love. They're all very big. Some of them have like little character moments, but for the most part, they are very big. Yeah. The thing I, what I do like about the New York sequence is I do like there's a fun like back and forth of he's getting Doctor Strange, Spider-Man's grabbing him, he grabs him back. So there's not as many like explosion-y oh, yeah, things happening. is in it too. Yeah. That shot of him in the bus where his hairs just go straight up. Yeah, you like that. Oh, it's so great. Also had probably like the line that I laughed the hardest in in the theaters is when he's like, Wong, you're invited to my wedding. And then they're sucked up into space. Yeah. Spider-Man's hanging onto the side of the ship, which gives me actual anxiety. Looking down and it's just, you're seeing the earth now. You can't even... So space is out for you. You don't space want to go to is Mars. Different. Space is different than being... Being in the atmosphere? Well, like you're outside hanging on the side of the ship. If I let go, I'm, I'm completely gone. That's really scary to so me. So you would go to space? No, not necessarily, but <laughs> I would do that more than hanging on the outside of a spaceship. Fair enough. With a, with Within a, the Earth's atmosphere. With a suit? Uh, no. A Spiron Man suit. Iron Spider? Is yeah. actually what it's called. Oh really? Yeah, it's based on like a it's based on a suit that that Tony Stark gives Peter Parker in the Civil War comic book. I love it. I loved that part. <laughs> oh, when it like shoots up and like yeah, gets that was him. so cool. Mr. Stark, it smells like a new car in here. Then Spider Man is supposed to go home. He doesn't, and they are just on the ship. I feel like I don't know if you remember this very well from Spider Man Homecoming, but there's a real there's a dynamic between Tony Stark and Peter Parker where Tony feels responsible for Peter, mm -hmm. and if Peter like. There's a line where he's like, what if somebody had died tonight? Different story, right? Because that's on you. And if you died, I feel like that's on me. There's that element too where, which I think obviously in the end of this movie plays into what happens. Yeah. When he realizes Peter's stowed away on the ship, he was like, and this suit is ridiculously intuitive, by the way. So if anything, it's kind of your fault that I'm here. What did you I, just say? I, I take that back. Like, oh. like that's that's what that energy is where he feels so responsible for this kid. Yeah. And because he's the one that recruited him in Civil War, he's like, I'm the one who brought this kid into all of this. Yeah. So like, there's like that dynamic at play too. The first act is really like introductions, right? The next thing we really meet is the Guardians of the Galaxy, which you haven't really had any experience with. No. At this point, you would have 
supposed to have seen two movies of them developing and like having interactions and like I got the gist. Did you did that land? They're goofy. They're what's that big guy's name? Drax. Yeah, he's he's a jokester. Yeah. Rocket's did, like smart ass. Did like Peter Quill and Gamora's relationship did that land for you when like when she was like you have to kill me? Like that Yeah. Without having like the back the work yeah. of like okay. The only one I really don't understand is Groot. I don't know his deal. I don't know why he's a teenager in this one. It's because he's just like, he's a big tree, like an adult tree in the first one. Something happens to him and he is reborn at the very end of the first one as a little baby twig. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> and so throughout volume two, he's a tiny baby Groot. I am Groot. This movie is, I guess, a couple years since the second Guardian. So he has grown up and technically is a teenager. And as he, when he's baby Groot, his attitude is very, he's very like docile and like dumb, honestly, he's like a like a little kid. Yeah, he doesn't understand what's going on. Makes for honestly some really hilarious like moments in that movie. And uh, my brother's avatar on Disney Plus is baby Groot. Yeah, waiting. okay. Yeah. So in this one, they play into like, he's a teenager on like video games and like, I'm Groot. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't really care for much in this movie. It doesn't really People have much to do. People love Groot. It, he, on, in the first in two Guardians movies, he's so funny. I'll believe it when I see it. Oh, all right. Those relationships landed for you, though. Yeah. Same with, like, Gamora and Nebula and Thanos? Yes. Okay, interesting. Yeah, they're her, his daughters, kind of. Adopted daughters, yeah. So then I guess next we switch over to Scotland. Scotland. And Vision, or Viz. I hate that she calls him Viz. What, like, just... what would you call him? Vision. Yeah, that's short enough already, huh? You don't like when I call you Jeesh. I really don't. Do you like how he can, like, adapt this, like, human form? Yeah, I do. That's fun. It's kind of a bummer because you have to do all of the work off screen. Like all of their relationship has like keeps developing between movies. So you yeah. don't really get like the full effect of like what the relationship has been like. However, I still feel like their relationship, it's very effective in this movie. The part that was most stressful for me in the theaters was when Vision and Scarlet Witch are just are on the street in Scotland and get attacked. Yeah, that part freaked me out. It just feels like they cannot get away from these things. There felt like such like an energy of, I gotta get away, I gotta get away. Like that part really like was the most intense for me watching it for Especially the first time. Especially because they were just like moments from not being in that spot. And that he's hurt. Mm -hmm. Like there's a part where they're kind of like split up and the one guy's trying to get the stone out of his head and she just can hear him yelling. She like throws Carrie Coon into that bus. Yeah, I really like that. I was confused why Vision Viz sure. wasn't as strong as i mean because in age of ultron he is the end all be all you know well it's because that weapon that guy used it like stabbed through him because mm -hmm. he even says he's like he's like i can't phase he's like i don't know what's going on oh so he's like very damaged through the movie and that's why he's like not nearly as strong yeah i wish that i just could have had a whole movie of wanda and vision you're gonna have a tv series of them wandavision i will watch the hell out of that Good. i just want you to know i know i, I that that's great I, I can't wait for it i really can't there are two big like hero moments i'll get the second one later but ones where like the theater was just like yes and you really feel it the first one is when they're like visions on the ground. The two guys are approaching her and just the train goes by and look, there's like this figure there. Steve coming out of the shadows with like long, long hair and hair. a beard. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You loved his long hair, didn't you? He, you, I, that, you love him. That moment get, like gave me chills in the theater. And like, I can't remember what podcast I heard talking about this. I think it was probably the big picture. That's a rare thing in movies because... This is the only movie series that's really kind of more like the MCU is basically like big budget TV where you get a new episode every year. 
And so few movies really have, like, will give you that experience of seeing this iconic character that you really care about, that you've seen for, like, so many years, where you really feel something when they show up. Yeah. I love his look. In the comic book, Steve Rogers has, like, from time to time, dropped the Captain America mantle. And he becomes nomad. Becomes, like, his own thing. It's whenever he's, like, disillusioned with the government. It happened in the 70s around Watergate. (laughs) And so, like, his look is very inspired by Nomad. And I like that he's wearing, he's wearing his Captain America suit from Civil War, but it's clearly like just dirtied up. Yeah. And like messed up. It's like dark. The Avengers A is like ripped off the shoulder. I didn't notice that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Who else is with him? Falcon's there too. Is it just the three of them? Yeah. Well, they they and Scarlet Witch kind of have been roaming around. Oh, And that's why they were there to show up to come like pick her up. I love that group, but I specifically love Natasha. She's so powerful. But that she, there's nothing really special about her. Like that's why, she, that's what makes her so interesting. Is she's just yeah. like a trained assassin. Did you like her incognito white hair? Yeah, I love her white hair. Looks. Did good. she have that the whole time? In this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like that's what she's been. Yeah. On the run with. Oh, I didn't realize that. I feel like you love Captain America and I love Natasha. Here's the thing about Captain America: why I think he's so great is because. I didn't really like him at first. Uh, he's so obnoxious, kind of. Like, he's he's so self-righteous, almost. Yeah. Hmm. And over the course of these movies, it w- Gets, won me over. I'm inspired yeah. by him. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we're going to go meet up with the other Avengers. Mm-hmm. So they meet up with Rhodey, War Machine. Who's walking. And they meet up with Bruce. I'm a fan of the Bruce Natasha romance. Yeah, I like that. But I don't think anyone really else is. Like, Why? I think I, I've asked you this before. I just think it's not based on anything in the comics. And I feel oh. like people just felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. Basically, what you saw was the only sort of closure that happens from that. Is this their uncomfortable? I think you look great. <gasps> uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Hi, Bruce. Matt. That's the end of that? That's basically it. <gasps> they They apparently did film a scene. Did you ever see them kiss? They, um, I think they do kiss in Ultron. They apparently did film a scene of them, like, kind of having some kind of closure, but they didn't include it. Is that just because they knew people don't like it? Yeah, I think they just... They know people don't I think they're like, people don't really care about this. And I think they were just like, we have so many storylines, we can't pay service to everything. That would have been a good one, though. They do that a lot. They, like, drop a storyline that they can tell, like, people kind of aren't really like... Like, the Steve Rogers-Sharon Carter romance doesn't go anywhere. They drop that pretty quick. And then I, I like the conversation they have, which is, clearly, if this movie is supposed to be, like, about any, like, capital I idea, it's Thanos versus Steve Rogers, like, the moral philosophies. Where Thanos is like, the ends justify the means. To save more people, we should kill everyone. And Steve Rogers, when Vision is like... Thanos threatens half the universe. One life cannot stand in the way of defeating him. But it should. We don't trade lives, Vision. Yeah. Like, those are the competing philosophies, I guess, if this movie is about anything. They go to Wakanda. Yeah. Which, this is the first time you've seen... I want to go to Wakanda. Okay. I thought a lot about what you said. They wanted it to look like it, like a place that had never been colonized, like with the architecture and yeah. everything, but still modern. But still like with a mix of like, because they're so advanced. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. There are some sets 
um, in the Black Panther movie that I think you would really love. For I that think reason. I would love Black Panther. It's so interesting. It's very different from what you would consider like a classical superhero movie. I loved the characters that, like the sister. Shuri. Yeah, she oh, was funny. People love her from Black Panther. I just, I wanted to see more of like them trying, ugh, there's just like, there's so many moments. Most stressful part, do you know what I'm going to say? The part where they're trying to get the glove off and want... Mantis is holding. Oh, I just, I wish that this, if they just would have had a little bit more time, if they wouldn't have screwed up thing and they would have had more time on the table, they could have like saved vision. I know. That's what I mean. Like the whole time you're watching it, it just gets more and more depressing and you just lose hope by the end. They just get the shit beat out of them. This movie is really much like a lot about failure. Yeah. Here's something I will give props to this movie is... Sometimes you can really feel when a movie is giving a red herring uh-huh. and you're like, this isn't going to be an actual solution, but we're, why are we investing so much time into this? But the whole idea of like, well, what if we split the stone from Vision's head and still save Vision? They put a lot of effort into that idea as a plot point, as like a potential like storyline that I really thought it was going to go that way. Like at no point was I like, well, this is leading nowhere. This is just filling time. They're not actually going to get the stone out of his head. Maybe they will get it out. So when when it screws up and she's unable to like get it out in time and he has to like join the battle, it really does feel like, oh, come on. Yeah. You're so close. And when she's on the, when um, Wanda gets on the field and they're like, she's here. Um, I do like when Vision finally is able to kill that guy. He does exactly what he did to him. Yeah. Yeah. In some drafts of the script... Captain America didn't show up in the movie until that point. They were like, that's too far. Yeah, into that the movie. is too that, far, but I, that would have been exciting. That would have been cool. Because he doesn't really do anything the rest no. of the movie. This is another thing that I think was a triumph of this movie was when they were plotting out like, okay, what are, how are we going to do these two movies? They definitely were like, some, peop, some characters are going to get short shrift in one movie, but then really get their time to shine in, in another movie. He doesn't He doesn't have much to do or much screen time, but he it's made up for that in spades in Endgame. He gets a lot to do in a very satisfying storyline. Same with Endgame, like Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Black Panther aren't in it at all. They did a really impressive job of juggling these different characters right, and storylines. Right, because you can't have all of them all at once No, because it would just be an unwieldy movie. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a mess. Thor, Rocket, and Groot. Go oh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Go to create a new weapon because Thor's hammer exploded in Ragnarok. Yeah. They meet a dwarf. A giant dwarf. Yeah. That was such an interesting thing to do because it really does kind of throw you off. It's like, (laughs) what's happening? I just don't think that part of the movie really works. They could have gotten like a different... I mean, it it was interesting. It was like when he shows up behind them, you're like, whoa, what? I mean, it... His hair is so crazy. It looks like he looks like something out of like Fraggle Rock because you can't really see him. It's just like such a different. It's a funny idea to have. Not funny. It's a <laughs> it's a clever thing to have like a giant, giant dwarf. dwarf. Yeah. I I appreciate that Peter Dinklage is going for it, but there's something about like it's like the mixing... line delivery is it... something just doesn't work for me. It's, when he's... Yeah, it's like mixing genres. Oh, it feels. Probably yeah. Maybe because he's in Game of Thrones. Well, and like those dwarves, Eitri, that's his character's name. Those are characters from the comics. Okay. So those are like, they're adapting like. I did think the story was interesting and I thought it was interesting that he had to walk Thor through building the hammer and like, because yeah. he couldn't, because his, that gave me a lot of like anxiety. Oh yeah. His like, his hands are been bound, ruined. dipped in Metal. something. Oh. If they had gone more with like Thanos' initial motivations with like courting death. 
I feel like the movie would probably feel tonally a lot more like this. These okay. elements. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like a little more like He Man. <laughs> like, yeah, just like weird. You, like the, you're adapting it and executing it the best you can, but like it's just too cosmic and a little, just a little too weird. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I like how they changed what I, the things they changed. I appreciate. I will say one of my favorite scenes in the movie, like emotionally effective. Do you think it's kind of dumb that like movies like this? affect me so much oh like not like i'm not like fishing for anything but sometimes i sometimes i'm like that's weird that like like these comic book movies really like um, hit these emotional chords within me no i don't think it's weird at all sometimes i'm like maybe i should care about more important things but regardless (laughs) a scene that was just so emotionally effective to me is when thor is talking to rocket and they have they like share a scene together where rocket's like all right I gotta go, like, give this guy a pep talk. Thor kind of has this bluster of, like, rage and uh, vengeance, anger, loss, regret. They're all tremendous motivators. They really clear the mind, so I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah, but, I mean, this Thanos we're talking about, he's the toughest there is. <laughs> well, he's never fought me. Yeah, he has. He's never fought me twice. And I'm getting a new hammer, don't forget. Well, there better be some hammer. You know, I'm 1,500 years old. I've killed twice as many enemies as that, and every one of them would have rather killed me, but none succeeded. I'm only alive because fate wants me alive. Thanos is just the latest in a long line of bastards, and he'll be the latest to fill my vengeance. Fate wills it so. Mm-hmm. And what if you're wrong? Well, if I'm wrong, then what more could I lose? Yeah, that part, I felt like that too. Like, that was, like, very heavy. It's just so weird that, like, this a scene with Thor, one of my least favorite characters up until this point, having an emotional moment and, like, <laughs> emotional connection with this, like, talking raccoon in, like, this weird tiny spaceship flying through space. Like, this scene is what, like, emotionally connects to me. It really is sad because, like, this character has lost so much. I love how much, like, Thor's journey through Ragnarok to Endgame is trying to overcome trauma. Yeah. And ultimately that's what a lot of the characters go through with Endgame is the trauma of what happens in this movie. Yeah. Thor shows up. That's the other. If Captain America showing up in the subway uh... is like the moment where people film like their theater's reactions when Thor shows up in Wakanda. Because you know all those like oh do you want to talk about the Ravagers really quick? Those little, oh my uh... gosh. I want to forget about those things forever. Yeah. I was I honestly am surprised that you your eyes were on the screen. <laughs> they were disgusting. I know. I was actually gonna. I was actually going. I figured you would close your eyes, and I was going to like kind of like tap you to be like, you should watch this part when short oh. when Thor shows up. A lot of this movie, I'm like, wow, they did it again. They're able just to put in this like faceless million army that the Avengers have to fight. Do people like that? I think that people who make movies think that people like watching action like that. Okay. And you know what? With our with our dollars are proving them right. Sure. Actually, there's a weird thing where movies that aren't that are less complicated and more visually like have a lot of action those are easier to translate to foreign audiences oh that makes and sense and so like it might be harder for a foreign audience to like follow like to like, be able to translate like what's going on i'm not i'm not speaking ill of you know no, I, no, no, no i'm no. saying like you, that makes perfect sense i mean if you can't speak 
English. Some things just like, if a movie's really complicated or has a lot of humor, sometimes that's hard to translate. 100%. Because like the humor doesn't translate or like... They're the culturally different. Yes. It's, it's difficult. And if, you're, if your goal is to make money, and you, you want would to obviously... And you want broadly entertain people. You yes. just make these massive uh, sequences that anyone can enjoy and follow and understand what's happening. And so that's, I think that's why movies like these, like this do so well. Like even like the Transformers movies. Right. There's even like mandates of like, we kind of need to simplify the plot so that anyone can follow this regardless of like a language barrier. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it has to do with that. And just, I feel like movie studios feel like, well, we have to have a big battle. That's what people expect. And as much as people like complain about it, these movies still make billions of dollars. So yeah. Who are... I didn't mind this one as much as, I mean, I minded it because they were disgusting and gross and awful, but I didn't mind it as much as like the first one. I think I know why. Why? Because by the economics of the storytelling, you didn't spend much time in it because yeah. they have to jump around. Yeah. So there's actually not a lot of time you really spend with them fighting this army. Yeah. Because they, they're, I mean, cu they're cutting back between dogs. like Thanos on Titan versus like this battle in Wakanda. Yeah. And there there are some really funny like little moments spread in there. Your haircut? Notice you've copied my beard. Oh, by the way, this is a friend of mine. Tree. I am Groot! I am Steve Rogers. Also, it was cool to see, I haven't seen Black Panther, but it was cool to see how that Wakandan army Oh yeah, just like how they fights. like, just like how they all had like their, their robes had like these like shields yes. and like whipped out of them. Yes. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. You probably like Black Panther. I think I would love it. So Thor shows up and then he says, bring me Thanos. And you're bring like, th you're going to put it in there. You just, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Thanos shows up on Titan and fights the heroes. Fights yes. like team A and team B, if you will. Yeah. Right. I would say this one is one of my least favorite action sequences only because there's a lot of explosion-y things going on. Yeah. Although I do like, I like the Doctor, they kind of get a little bit into like the weirdness of what Doctor Strange can do. <laughs> like when he has all the arms flip up. Uh, Tony gets stabbed. I mean, when that happened, I was like, did you in the theaters were you like, oh, he's gone. Yep. Which is weird because... I mean, when I watch a movie like this, I just like my brain is going a million miles an hour. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking of everything I've ever thought. Like yeah. it is the it is the most my brain works in my <laughs> life. So when that happens, I'm like, oh, maybe this this could be how they kill him. They shot a lot of these movies back to back, so there's no real definitive proof that he's in the next one. And then in my mind was like, that would be wild to kill him because he and Steve Rogers have not reconciled oh, since Civil War. That would have been lame. It just would have been. Too sad, too grim, I guess. Yeah, like he would—he deserved more. I agreed. They all have Thanos. They're all trying to get the glove off. Yeah. Mantis this is a really clever use of everyone's powers and them working together. I feel like too. Mantis like dumbing yeah, him down. Yeah, just freaking takes over. I don't really. Do you buy that? What? Do you buy that he would act like that in that moment? I don't know because I haven't seen the other two. He just kind of seems like a bitch baby. He kind of is. I guess the point of the other movies was he—he he was abducted as a kid. Uh -huh. And then that's kind of like... Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And so like maybe he's like emotionally stunted a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there's a little there's a little too much to me of like, this is, you're changing how someone would actually act just to make the movie work. They almost have it off. They're mm -hmm. so close. They pull it. It's basically yes. coming off. Yes. Yeah, that sucks. It also is one of those things where it's like, oh, it's almost unforgivable for that character. Like he really screwed that up. Yeah. And then Doctor Strange says, you know, he offers him the time stone in, in exchange for saving Tony. Yeah. Because he saw 14 million futures. And then he says, we're in the end game now. 
Yeah, did you know that that was going to be? So when this movie came out, they hadn't announced the title of Endgame. So there's a lot of speculation. Some people guess that it might be Endgame because in Age of Ultron, after the Ultron, the first Ultron bot like runs off and they're all like arguing. And Tony's like, do you guys remember when like an alien spaceship came out of there? We're the Avengers. We can bust arms dealers all the live long day, but that up there, that's, that's the end game. Oh, do you and think then, they've had it planned for that long? I don't think so, but I think, I don't think they planned that from Age of Ultron, but I, I like the symmetry of like him saying that and then Dr. Shane saying we're in the end game now. The end was so heartbreaking. Thanos shows up on Wakanda. He just gets there and you're by that point you're like, it's over. There's nothing, they can't fight him. And like, I already knew, because I've already seen Endgame, but there's no way to beat him. So even when Thor comes over and he smashes it into his chest, he smashes the axe into his chest. I don't know. Did you think like, oh, we're saved now? Well. I'm so glad they did that like that. Like, it would have been really lame if it, if it just would have fixed everything. I have a couple thoughts on this, right? Okay, go ahead. Okay, one, I knew that he gets the glove and snaps. Oh, sure. Because it's an iconic part in the comic book. So in my mind, I was like, well, that's how this movie's going to end with him snapping and killing a bunch of people. And then the next movie will be them trying to solve it. There was a part of me that thought, there's a, a comic book storyline called House of M where Wanda Maximoff has a mental breakdown. And she's so powerful that she, because she's a mutant in the comic books, uh -huh. she's like, she whispers, there are no more mutants. And her, she's so powerful that she alters all of reality so that there were, have never been mutants. I wonder if this movie is going to end with Thanos killing Vision and that will cause a mental break in Wanda's mind. And she will do something that is sort of like the MCU's adaptation. And then the next movie will be the consequences of her having a mental break. Uh, I was like, man, what if they did that? That would be that would be what no one is expecting would be very exciting. They didn't do that. No. But I gotta wonder, there's gotta be people who didn't know that there was gonna be like a, a part two, right? Like I wonder if people in the theaters, oh, Thor is gonna kill him, that's how it ends. I wonder how many people truly were like left the theater completely shocked what was happening. I think there were a lot that were. In my mind, it would be pretty obvious of what, like, oh, they're setting this up. Yeah. Which to me kind of bugged me because it, I, this, I feel like the stakes were completely robbed in that moment. And like, there's pretty good arguments against it that are like, well, it's more about how the characters who are alive feel is how you should be like connecting with. Less than like the shock of seeing characters die because I mean, like when Black Panther turns to dust, I'm like, well, Black Panther just made over a billion dollars. They're not killing that right, character. Right. And Spider-Man, they don't have the rights to kill off that character permanently. <laughs> so in my mind, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. well, this is kind of dumb because I know none of these people are actually, like there's no stakes to this, but uh, like I guess that counter argument of like, well, it's more about how the people living feel. I feel like the ending of this movie affected you more than I thought it would. Why did you look over and see me crying? Specifically when Black Panther disappears. Really? Yeah. Because it, I I looked at that like, how would that affect me if I were all of these people? And I thought like, my brother disappearing, Vision and Wanda's thing when like, I think more that I like was upset about him dying. Well, that part, that is actually the part that I, I also cried. That's <laughs> really sad. When he's just trying to talk her into it, he's like, Wanda, it's time. No. They can't stop him, Wanda, but we can. Look at me. You have the power to destroy the storm. Don't. You must do it. Oh, please. 
We are out of time. I can't. Yes, you can. You can. If he gets the stone, half the universe dies. It's not fair. It shouldn't be you, but it is. It's all right. You could never hurt me. I just feel you. And then the music. I love the music. It's so, it, yeah, that part is very sad. And everyone's just trying to stop Thanos, just slowly walking. And yeah. she's just trying to hurry and basically kill him. You like think about like, what if that was you? What if I had to do that to you? Would you do it? No, I mean, I don't know. Like it would be <laughs> so hard to, and then the most unfair part of it all is that she has to watch him be killed anyway. It was so for she, nothing. Yeah. She did that for nothing. It's awful. Yeah. And it really struck a chord with me. The, the defeat is so humiliating in this movie. Like I said, there's upsetting parts in this movie. That's also like unsettling. To like he rips the stone out of Vision's head oh, and yeah. just goes Oh pale. yeah. It's gross. It's awful. Yeah. It's, it's just, so sad when they're all trying to stop him and just that Steve Rogers will not stop. Yeah, you, you like he's me already like swatted him away and he is like the last guy that he's like, I have to stop him. And I love when Thanos he kinda it's almost like he's like a little bit impressed. Yeah. And like intrigued by like this human. And Steve's just it's so good. Just yelling and just trying so hard and then Thanos just like, alright. Yeah, just decks him. him. So he does the snap. And everyone disappears. I like Well, the... not everyone. Half of everyone. Well, and then the saddest one, Spider-Man. You know, most people cried in theaters. This was the only viewing I've had where I really felt very emotionally. Because most of the time when I watched it, I was too distracted by, oh, there's not stakes here, right? But in this one, I was really trying to be like, watch this for like what it is to like the characters watching it. Like, how would you feel if that was like your nephew or your son or your little brother, like it would just, because that's what he is to Iron Man. Uh, Tom Holland ad-libbed some of the lines, like improvised on, <laughs> on the day. The ones I read that he ad-libbed were like, I don't feel so good. You're all right. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I don't want to go. I don't want to go, sir, please. Please, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Oh yeah, those were the worst ones. <laughs> It, and Tony's just powerless to stop him. You can't do anything. And you know that's like those feelings of I'm responsible for this kid. It yeah. was so sad. That part's so sad. Especially just because like none of them really knew. I'm sure like the whole time they were like, yeah, this could happen. But they didn't know how it would happen. And so when it happens, they're just all like so messed up from it. You know? The leftovers-esque feeling of it is especially like in the end credit scene with Nick Fury and Maria oh, Hill. yes. Just like the confusion of like what is happening. Yeah. And like cars just crashing. Yeah. And then it just ends. That's how it ends. Yeah. Like no music. Everyone just disappearing. And then the heroes just left looking around. All right, they filmed this movie in Atlanta. Pinewood Atlanta Studios is basically, that's like home base for filming all the Marvel movies. Okay. That's where they build all the sets on a studio lot. You understand that, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, they also filmed in Scotland, in Queens, and the final scene where Thanos sits down and looks over a Grateful Universe, that's footage of the Philippines. Wakanda was Atlanta. Yes. Okay. So when somebody is like filming on location, what is 
the process for that? Are they like three weeks in advance? Hey, Robert Downey Jr., we need you to be in Queens on this day for 36 hours of shooting. Probably, yeah. I'd imagine they'd have it all planned out and they, like this this movie especially was very hard because even just, do you remember just looking at the end credits and being like, look at all of these yeah. A-list actors. Trying to assemble them all, I imagine, was... Oh, assemble of, them? Oh, I didn't even mean to do that either. <laughs> I'm sure it was like a logistical nightmare. Like, I know I know even that they would sometimes... Some actors and actresses would film scenes for both movies on the same day because of their availability. So, yeah, in an ideal world, you have a list of, like, everything you're going to film. Say you're going to film for 90 days. That's a long... That's actually pretty long for a shoot. And say, like, all right, we're going to spend five days here, five days here, five days here. Everyone has to be on set here, on here. Okay. For the most part, you're just like pretty much holed up at the studio lot. This movie and Endgame, a lot of secrecy around it in a way that had, was really pushing the envelope to try to prevent spoilers or leaks about the movie. Jeremy Renner, Elizabeth Olsen, Dave Bautista, that's Drax, they all said that the actors, they didn't receive scripts before shooting. So they received their scripts like day of basically. But not even that. Tom Holland wasn't allowed to read the entire script because he had revealed too many secrets about Spider-Man Homecoming. He's actually really bad at spoiling stuff. They yeah, you've told me that before. No actor in Infinity War had the entire script. Fake and redacted scenes were also circulated or put into some scripts to help protect the secrecy of the film. Some shots from the trailers were digitally altered to intentionally avoid spoilers. There were shots in the trailer that would show Thanos with the Infinity Glove and they would digitally edit out like some of the stones so you wouldn't really know how many he actually had at any given point in the movie. Mm. And I remember there's like a money shot in one of the trailers that shows like a bunch of the Avengers on Wakanda running at the screen. That was filmed explicitly for the trailer. And the Hulk is in it. Yeah, the Hulk doesn't show up at the final battle. No. Why not? Uh, I mean, that's part of like this three movie arc they wanted to have for Bruce Banner starting in Ragnarok. Of like his struggles with the Hulk and back and forth. They did have plans to have the Hulk come out at the end of the fight. There was supposed to be like a moment where he would like burst out of the armor. The Hulkbuster armor that Bruce is wearing. Sometimes things get spoiled because they'll create like toys or play sets based on concept work. So there are, there there was apparently like a a play set or a toy of the Hulk bursting out of the Hulkbuster outfit. So people were expecting the Hulk to show up and then they ended up, they were like, no, we should... Leave him as Bruce Banner and have that reveal happen five years later in Endgame. Yeah, they just like changed things like that. And I, I love that, actually. They actually started doing it in Civil War because they would edit out Spider-Man from some of the scenes in the fights. Oh, yeah. For the trailers. But they did a lot in Endgame, too, to the point where people were like trying to anticipate what shots had been edited or not. Like, I remember there's one shot where there's a bunch, there's like a couple characters standing in a field, but they're standing at like different distances. And people were like... Do you think there's someone supposed to be standing here in this empty spot? (laughs) Don Cheadle and Mark Ruffalo were in an interview for Good Morning America. And Mark Ruffalo blurted out, like, spoiled the end of the movie. What? Don Cheadle looks legitimately It wasn't like a bit. No. All right. I'm I'm showing you the actual clip right now. Came out July 18th, 2017. So, like, almost a year before the movie came out. Because the movie came out in 2018. Oh, my gosh. And then we have to go and save Asgard together. Good. It is. It's amazing. It's a lot of fun. Did you succeed in saving it? I can't. Can I say it? No. I would imagine. Can I just give him a little, a little taste? I wouldn't say too much, but you can say as much as. I mean, hey, it's your. Let me just say this: like every other Marvel movie, 
it doesn't end well for the superheroes. Why does he? That's true. In Marvel, it, it doesn't end that well. Oh, Somebody I'm getting nervous. Or gets really badly Wait till you see this next one. Everybody dies. Do 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 do. Not everybody. No. Is that? No. Alien. Whatever. Can we rewind that part? Yeah. yeah. Can we? Re you'll cut that. That's part. not. Who, is there anybody in Infinity War you, you get to meet that you're excited to meet? Uh, I'm in trouble. A little. <laughs> is Barry gonna be mad at me? Dude, I don't. I just move on. I wouldn't okay. try to like. No, what's so, 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 that next question? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I would like to meet. It's it's really interesting because we show. I get impulsive sometimes. You're gonna be fine. Just get a little impulsive. Why would you even? You, he almost says half, too. Uh, you yeah, I, and then he's yeah. like, everybody dies. Even when he's talking about Ragnarok and he's like, should I tell him? He's like, no. If I were if I were in that situation, I would straight up be like, I don't know, I have to watch the movie. Like, I would not even go there. Like, that, like, I don't know how to cover The same way that like if somebody's like, wait, so did you like the movie? Tell me about it. Like, I'm like, I don't know. You I don't know. See it. Just go. I never want to spoil anything for any. And if my career was on the line... <laughs> I know. The amazing thing is, I didn't even hear about this till well after the movie. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, I read a lot of movie news. Yeah. Somehow this didn't really get anywhere. I feel like, at least I wasn't aware of it, so. So it, they did a pretty good job of, of like, like I wonder if they like paid, paid them off. No, that was posted on, that was in 2017. Oh. Can you believe that? Uh-uh. That's and, so awkward. Don Cheadle doesn't even look like he's not even joking around no well and like it's he crazy. does he mark oh yeah don Cheadle would be me in that situation where you're just like well don't try to like cover it just move on and nobody will notice yeah he's like now that you've drawn attention to it they're gonna like just shut up pretty bad right i mean that was like a spoiler that wasn't really a spoiler because if i heard that like everybody dies i'd be like okay watching that happen and uh, it's just like you know when you have a cast that big like you have no idea what's gonna i always think about the darth vader father reveal yeah and how only like three people knew and mark hamill's talked about he's like i wasn't gonna tell anyone because so few people knew that if it came out they would know it was me <laughs> that's literally how i would respond and people would be way annoyed but like better they are annoyed with me than like I'm fired. Um, this movie came out end of April in 2018. This movie made $2.04 billion. It was the fourth highest grossing movie at the time. Just How much money do you think like Kevin Feige makes off of that? Off of the $2.4 billion. $2.04 billion. I don't know. I wonder if he makes more than Robert Downey Jr. does. He I'm sure. to, right? I'm sure he gets a bonus. I'm sure he's worth hundreds of millions. Kevin Feige has a net worth of $200 million. Right. That's crazy. Is it? Like crazy high or low? It just, I compare it to like Taylor Swift, who's worth like $400 million. Maybe more at this point. So you think that's high or low? I think that's low. Here's the thing though. He's the architect behind this, but they're also paying more more people are involved in these movies than Taylor Swift is involved with her That's true. music. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, 200, wow. 200 million is still, he's doing, still doing pretty good. Yeah, he'll be fine. <laughs> there were Thanos memes everywhere. Do you remember those? I do. Were you, were you just kind of like, who is this? I just knew it was something like about the Avengers. Actually, I think I know what Thanos is. Uh, in between Infinity War and Endgame, but this is more for Endgame. There were like, <laughs> it's like this whole thing about how how the Avengers are actually going to defeat Thanos is <laughs> Ant-Man will shrink small, go up Thanos' ass, and then expand and blow him up. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> what if that's how it is? 
saw, I saw that all over the place. There were so many memes of him, of him everywhere. That, it's funny because it would have it would have worked. <laughs> yeah. Vox.com um, <laughs> Avengers Endgame theory that Ant-Man kills Thanos by expanding inside his butt. Explained. <laughs> the fan theory turned meme isn't as half-assed as it sounds. Ant-Man will defeat Thanos by crawling up the mad Titan's butt expanding inside him. Oh man. That's so good. There was a website created called didthanoskill.me where you would go and see if you were spared or not. I checked it before we started recording. Yeah. All you do is you just type that that URL in and Uh it immediately pulls up an answer for me. It told me, you were slain by Thanos for the good of the universe. (laughs) What did it say about me? All right. This this one counts for you, okay? You were spared by Thanos. (laughs) Do you know what it's probably doing? It's taking your IP address. Well, yeah. Okay. I just thought I solved it. Did you think about that before? I just I figured that there was probably oh. like every other. Yeah. yeah. As if I think it's just like an intern on the end. Just like as soon as someone types in here, it's like, huh, ah, like he wakes him up. <laughs> oh, gosh. The ending also spawned the creation of a Reddit subreddit, uh, backslash Thanos did nothing wrong. A user within that subreddit suggested that half of the approximately 20,000 subscribers be banned from the subreddit in order to mimic the events of the film. Once Reddit administrators agreed to the random ban of half the subscribers, it was set to occur on July 9th, 2018. Ahead of the ban, Josh Brolin posted a video saying, Here we go, Reddit users. Over 60,000 people watched a live Twitch stream of the ban occurring, which lasted several hours. The ban of over 300,000 accounts which included Anthony Russo, one of the directors, was the largest in Reddit's history. That is so cool. One Reddit user who participated described the ban as embodying the spirit of the internet with people banding together en masse around something relatively meaningless, but somehow decidedly awesome and hilarious. (laughs) That was the movie. Although I should ask you, what was uh, your favorite part? Or should I say the part you were most engaged with? Doesn't have to be favorite, but the part you were like most locked in. I think that's actually more interesting than favorite part. I think it was probably the part where they're getting the glove off. I just was like so invested. And when Tony like dies, yeah, almost. So like kind of how I was saying how it's he's scary to me. When he is just pounding on Iron Man and he's breaking away his armor so fast yeah. that the nanobites can't like repair enough yeah that is like it's scary you're like uh like yeah like hurry hurry what was the part you were least engaged the fight in new york no kidding yeah you liked the one in wakanda more yeah i didn't like it more i was just invested more but like more within the movie yeah i think second half is always better than the first half oh. in, with these movies who's your favorite character wanda I love Black Widow. Black Widow and Wanda and Vision are always my favorites. Captain America was great in this one too. He's good. But he doesn't show up very often. He doesn't have much to do. They but when he does, more. he's like, I, he's great. Well, what I like about him too is he's just, he's kind of like past giving a shit about stuff. Yeah. Like I love when he wa- when he walks in and like Secretary Ross is there like on the hologram talking to him. Uh-huh. He was like, the world's on fire. And you think all is forgiven? 
I'm not looking for forgiveness. And I'm way past asking permission. Oh, yeah. He, there's like a disillusionment to him in this that's really cool. Yeah. What do you think of his little like shield things that Black Panther, that the Wakandans did? Oh, that was cool. Did you like those? Yeah. Do they give him a shield in Endgame? I don't he has, know. I think his shield comes back somehow. Maybe. All right. I'm not Mark Ruffalo over here. You're going to have to do the work <laughs> yourself. Okay, who is your least favorite character? The monster, Thanos' child. Okay, pick like a character with lines though. <laughs> okay, I'll go with Falcon. More than Etri, the what? The giant. Do you? Is there somebody that you want me to say? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think he wasn't my least favorite. It does, you liked him. I didn't like him, but I was just intrigued. Okay. Well, I told favorite. you, Falcon never really does anything for me. I'm, I'm really waiting for him to become Captain America. So was that... he more boring than the Winter Soldier in this one? He also. <laughs> oh yeah, Winter had, Soldier. I mean, they gave him. Actually, there was. You kind of you kind of don't get the full weight of this, but through in the first two Guardians movies, Rocket has a thing where he loves to steal. If people have like prosthetic limbs, he likes to steal those. If we're gonna get out of here, we're gonna need to get into that watchtower. And to do that, I'm gonna need a few things. That dude there, I need his prosthetic leg. His leg? Yeah. God knows I don't need the rest of him. Look at him, he's useless. All right. You need my what? Here you go. Oh, I was just kidding about the leg. I just need these two things. What? No, I, th I thought it'd be funny. Was it funny? No, wait, what did he look like hopping around? I had to transfer him 30,000 units. There's one more thing we need to complete the plan. That guy's eye. No, no, we don't. No, we don't need that guy's eye. No, seriously, I need it. It's important to me. That's Vorker's eye. He takes it out when he sleeps. Go, look again. But leave the eye here. Why? He's gonna wake up tomorrow, and he's not gonna know where his eye is! <laughs> well, if fate does want you to kill that crab sack, you're gonna need more than one stupid eyeball. What's this? What's it look like? Some jerk lost a bet with me in Contraxia. He gave you his eye? No, he gave me 100 credits. I snuck into his room later that night and stole his eye. Thank you, sweet rabbit. How much for the gun? Not for sale. Okay, how much for the arm? Oh, I'll get that arm. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it's funnier to think that was just like a random one-off thing he said. It's always kind of weird to like, when they do these montages of these big fights like this and everyone's like fighting and like these different monsters and it's just the Winter Soldier with a rifle just shooting. It yeah. always looks kind of weird like you're in the wrong movie. Yeah. Oh, I liked Rocket. Maybe Rocket's one of my favorite characters. He's good. My nephew is obsessed with Rocket and I learned he's not a raccoon. You're right. He's what an is alien. He? Yeah, true. Small rabbit. Best costume. Who wore it best? Who looked the oh, best in this movie? Oh, you know what? I did think Scarlet Witch looked really good. She had her red costume on. The same. I wish she had a headpiece. It would outfit. look so ridiculous, but I wish she had a headpiece because it just kind of looks like she's wearing like red leather clothes. Oh, like... best costume is Iron Spider. Oh, you like that a lot. Huh? Yeah, I loved it. What do you think of the, so cool. the arms that pop out? That's like from the Iron Spider suit from yeah. the comics. That's it. Pops very out like cool. That. Okay, that's your favorite. Yeah, that was fun. I was very into that. What, what's the summation of your feelings on this movie? It was a perfect first half. All right, where can people find us if they want to reach the podcast? You can find us at Wife Watches on Instagram, at Wife underscore Watches on Twitter. You can email us at wife, MyWifeWatchesMovies at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a review. You can give us a rating. Yep. We'll be here. Yep. See you guys. Watch you later. And remember, I know what it's like to lose, 
to feel so desperately that you're right, yet to fail nonetheless. It's frightening, turns the legs to jelly. I ask you, to what end? Dread it. Run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. And now it's here. <laughs>